Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Now, as we've, as we've journeyed through Ephesians, it is so clear that unity, gospel unity, unity in Christ is the prevailing theme of the book. As we've read, it has become clear that God has put on Paul's heart a deep desire for the health, strength, perseverance, and overall unity and growth of the church. For Paul's call for unity is not just for us as individuals, but for us as churches, that the body of Christ would be unified. Paul is concerned for a deep unity in every local church that reflects the unity we've already been given in the heavenly church. God's desire expressed through Paul is that we here at Calvary would be united in the same way that God has united his heavenly church. Are we? Are we? Do we feel that united as a church body? Not just as as passengers on the same ship heading the same general direction, but united in foundation, in vision, in goal. As we read our passage this morning and study God's word together, I pray that the word of the Lord would affect each of us, that God would work in us, that we might overcome the differences that divide us, the sin that separates us and be united in the mission of Christ. Let's read the word of our Lord this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you'd speak through your word today. 
that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Pray this in your name. Amen. Instructions. This past, this past week, many of us know, Karen was, was gone for the, the weekend. And, and so I was left with the majority of, of the cooking. There, there was times when, when cooking happened outside the home. You know, that, that, was, that was great. But when cooking had to happen inside the home, that was, that was on me. And, and my kids, they love pancakes. They love pancakes. So I was like, all right, we're making pancakes. And if there's something on the street, that, that's supposed to be pancakes. Like that was the intent, is that those were going to be pancakes. And, and so I, I take out, you know, the, the, the recipe. And I, I text Karen, how do I make it? Like, what do I do? Where's, where's the recipe? So I get the recipe and I get my bowl. And I'm, I mean, I followed that pop. I thought I followed it. I thought I did everything right. And then I start like putting the, the dough or the batter or whatever, the batter, that's the right word, Daniel, it's the batter for, for pancakes. I put the batter on, the, on the, the cooking sheet thing. And I was like, these do not look right. Like they're just following all the slopes of everything. They're super flat. Like they were almost like that Norwegian panakaga flat, like real flat. And I got a little nervous about it. I was like, what are we going to do? Kids, this is what you're eating, and I hope it doesn't taste horrible. If it's bad, we've got more syrup. Like, there is more sugar that we can put on top of these things to make it taste a little better. I did something wrong in following the instructions. I don't know what it was. I mean, I, I, I put everything in. Maybe it was the order. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Did not follow the instructions as well as I should have. How many of us are good at following instructions? Like, do we have, like, I love instructions, like, give me all of the instructions, I'm going to follow those. Like, it's, it's the difference between how my parents cook, right? Like, my dad, all the instructions, like, piece by piece, I need all of it. My mom, well, you know, it's like a pinch of this, a, little, like a couple good shakes of that. I'm like, oh, my word, none of this is going to taste good, mom. I'm not, I can't follow that kind of instruction. Are we good at following instructions? Are we good at following instructions? In our text this morning, Paul is laying out instructions for the church. He starts off with the phrase, therefore I urge you. So in light of the truth that I have proclaimed in chapters 1 to 3, that's what he's saying. So I've, I've, chapters 1 to 3, these are all these things that I have been proclaiming. These are all these things that I have been saying are good. So in light of all of this, therefore I urge you. In light of how God has interacted with you, now that you understand that we are all one in Christ, that we have been united in Christ, that, that all the different races and cultures, these are all things he's talked about in Ephesians 1 through 3. You know, so, so all the different races and cultures and social classes and personalities and all these things, when God, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our differences. He sees Christ and we are united through faith. We are united through faith in Christ who is our foundation, our cornerstone, the head of the body that is the church. Paul has just been, he's been pouring all of this truth on us. All this grace, all of this gospel, because we didn't earn these great gifts. We didn't earn this status. We didn't earn this unity. They were given to us through faith and out of his immense love and total mercy. So Paul is saying, in light of this truth that I have just given you, this is how you should be living. 
This is how you should be living. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received. Live your life as a Christian, doing what a Christian would, what a Christian should. And then Paul begins to like break that down for us a little more, begins to tell us what that looks like. He, he breaks down what it means to live as a Christian, but not just as a Christian, as a unified church. The first of Paul's instructions is that we walk with all humility. Humility. Often, when we think of humility, we think of the opposite of pride, right? Like it's just, it's just not pride. So there's pride and, and then there's humility. Someone has been humbled when they finally took the fall that their pride had set them up for. But if we just view humility in that light, we're selling it short. True humility is not when we have realized our limits. True humility is when we have limited ourselves. Actual humility is when we restrain, when we hold back our own sense of entitlement, our own desire to use our gifts by submitting ourselves to others with respect in order to promote their best interests. Practicing humility is letting someone else lead, even though you like prefer to lead and it bothers you maybe sometimes when other people lead, so that they might be a blessing and be blessed to use their gifts even if it means you don't get to use yours. That fills, there's so many different things that, that, that takes place in a church. I mean, I just, I use the example of leading, but I mean, there's, there's singing, there's cooking, there's all of these different things that we do because I, I want to do this because I'm good at it and I like doing it. And then recognizing that other people have these gifts as well. And maybe I should step back and let them have some role. As, as C.S. Lewis observed in Mere Christianity, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. The second of Paul's instructions is that we walk with gentleness. Gentleness. To be gentle doesn't mean to be weak. It means to treat others with kindness rather than roughness. Kindness rather than roughness. It means that when we disagree or disapprove of what someone is doing, we don't come at them abrasively. We guard our tone of voice. We choose our words carefully. Not that they would sting and ring of disapproval, but that they would raise our objections carefully, thoughtfully, keeping the other person's feelings in mind. It's okay. It's natural to disagree. But how we express that disagreement, how we express our disapproval is very important to our unity. The third instruction is that we walk with patience. Patience. And that one, eh, that one can be the hardest of the three. To be patient means, to be patient means to put up with someone's faults for a long time. To be slow to rebuke them. To be patient means that we recognize that spiritual growth takes time. And that each of us is a work in progress. For example, we are called to be patient with those who are younger in faith and seem unreliable or lazy. We're called to be patient when we experience less love than we have tried to show others. Patience is really hard. But it is so important 
that we have patience for each other, that we respect each other, and that we respect the Holy Spirit and the work that he is performing in each of our lives. Humility, gentleness, patience. To treat each other with humility, gentleness, and patience is to walk in a manner worthy of the call of God. So, church, how are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Are we humble, putting others before ourselves? Are we gentle, treating each other with kindness? Are we patient, giving a person time to respond to the shaping that the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives? These are the instructions that we have been given by God through Paul. So how well are we following them? Does it sting to recognize when we recognize that we, we aren't? Sure, some of us follow some of these instructions some of the time, but none of us follow all of these instructions all the time. And it's important for us to realize that. It's important for us to, to grasp that. It's important, it's important for us to be called out on that and to acknowledge it and to take ownership of it. It's important for us as a church, as church members, church attenders, to admit, to confess that we do not treat each other in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. It's important to confess the ways that we have fallen short of this ideal. For when we recognize that we have failed in being humble, We have failed in being gentle. We have failed in having patience with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we recognize that we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness from God and forgiveness from each other. And God lavishes his forgiveness upon us. He lavishes his forgiveness upon us. He gives it to us freely. We have been forgiven. Can we forgive? Can we forgive when someone has not been humble? When someone has not been gentle? When someone has not shown patience? Are we ready to do that as individuals, as a church? Are we ready to forgive the hurt and the disrespect and the frustration that we have held against each other? That we've maybe held against ourselves? That is what God is calling us to. The Spirit is working in each of us, softening hearts towards our fellow brothers and sisters, especially those who have hurt us. Are we willing, are we ready to forgive? That's a question that you know, we, each, we, each need to, we each need to wrestle with on our own. It's a hard question. But as we walk that path towards forgiveness, we recognize that some journeys are going to take a little longer than others. And so we need to have patience again, right? Patience for each other. And again, patience is the hardest of the three. For just as often, if not more often, the need to exercise patience for with someone else, we need to exercise patience with ourselves. Recognizing that 
though we are to strive to do what God has asked us to do, what, what his will for us as individuals and, and as a church is, we are not perfect. That we will fail. That these things that are true for us are true for our brother and sister as well. And yet, as we are united in our failing, even more so are we united in Christ's grace and mercy. For there we are united in Christ. And in Christ, despite our failings, despite our flaws, we have been equipped for the mission of the church. God uses broken people. In our text this morning, Paul notes that that Christ gave some people to be apostles, right? Some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, and some to be teachers. Now, some of you look at yourself and you recognize, right, as you're you got your internal dialogue going on, and you, you recognize, you realize that, that you possess some of those gifts. God has given you some of those gifts. He has, he has prepared you for some of these roles. Some of you are currently teaching in this church. Some of you may be called to ministry as a pastor or a missionary. Some of you recognize that God has placed this call on your life. And then there's some of you who are looking at yourself and going, yeah. None of that sounds like me. None of that sounds like me. God hasn't given me any of those roles in the church. And that's fine. Like That's totally cool. It's great. Because those roles aren't the focal point of the passage. They're not the focal point. Often we look at those roles and go, which one am I, right? Like, which one has God called me to? Because these are the things that he's, like, pointed out. So these are, like, special. These are important. So which one of these has God called me to? And when we don't see ourselves as one, we feel like we don't fit in with the mission of Christ. That since God doesn't value these, or, yeah, since God doesn't value the gifts that he gave us enough to have them show up on a list like this, somewhere in the New Testament, then, then our gifts aren't important and, and we're left out. We can feel left out. But that is totally not true. Because these positions, shepherd, prophet, teacher, they are not listed because of who they are. They are listed because of what they do. Which is, as we read in verse 12, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The focal point here is the saints, not the positions. These roles are listed because they are important in equipping the saints. And each of us who trust in the work of Christ on the cross and believe in his resurrection from the dead is counted among the saints. So often we get, we get caught up in the titles. And we figure that these titles, these are the things that God is like, if we don't fit in here, then how do we fit in with the mission? These titles are important. They're there for a reason, right? So, so if I don't fit in here, how do I fit in? And it's saying these titles aren't the whole deal. Yes, these are gifts. They're wonderful things. But they are used to equip the saints. And the, the narrow group that fits in these titles, it's the, that, that, that group isn't even near as close. The whole church... All of Christianity, that's the saints. So they're used to equip the saints for mission. God isn't just using the titles in his mission. 
He's using them to equip all of us for mission. All of us. So don't feel down about not having your gifts registered on that little list. Know that God is using you, desires to use you, is equipping you through his word, read and even proclaimed by some of the gifts that are counted on that list, that God is using you, preparing you, desiring to use you in ministry, in the building of the body of Christ. How awesome is that? Each one of us, whether our gifts are listed there or not, Because our title as saint is listed there. And that title belongs to each who believe in Jesus. As as, as the body of Christ is built, we become more and more firm in our unity together in Christ. So as as we are working together in this ministry, as we are working together, being fed, being instructed by the word read and proclaimed, we grow together in firmer unity in Christ so that when trouble comes, when false doctrine comes, when heartache hits our lives and our churches, we have the body of Christ to support us. We are not alone. And in this unified body, We mature in our faith. The Spirit works on our faith, on our lives, on our actions, shaping us to be more like Jesus, to desire the things that Jesus desires. We're no longer children being tossed around on waves of doubt and indecision. As we were eating our pancakes that day, one of the big things that came up is being scared of robbers. Like my kids apparently have this like fear that someone is going to want to come into our house and take our stuff. And that, that someone has to have like a bandana and like striped clothing, like they have to look like a robber. Like this is what robbers are gonna look like, right? And, and they're gonna come into our house. And it's like, nobody wants in our house. But, but as kids, like they, they don't, they just have this, this immature view of the dangers that are coming. I mean, if we, if we were like a, you know, maybe we are, we just, people can just look at us and know that they're not going to, like, our place isn't the place to waste your energy. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't want to come into this house to take things, right? There are other places that, that might be more worthwhile spending your, your, your energy on breaking in there. Our place, probably not the place. And that's okay. Like, we're totally cool with it. But my kids don't get that. They, they, have, they have a level of, of immaturity where they just don't understand that that robbers probably aren't coming into our house. They don't get that we live in a real safe neighborhood. They don't get that this stuff doesn't just happen all the time because in their minds, in in their view of life, this happens all the time. Like every night there's someone trying our door handle. Like that's the world that they live in. Every night someone's trying to get into our house because robbers exist and they're real. And this is a thing that like TV tells me that there's someone trying to get into my house all the time. But as we mature, as we get older, as we recognize things, our, my understanding, yes, I lock my doors. But that doesn't mean that I'm worried about someone trying to get into my house every night. It doesn't mean that I'm scared of, of robbers, that I'm nervous about that. There's a maturity 
and an immaturity that we have. And as we are built up together in Christ, being ministered to by the Spirit and being fed by the Word, we mature in our faith. We recognize what is good doctrine and what is bad doctrine. We recognize the schemes of man and the lies of the devil. We understand that we don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to be afraid anymore. We are set free by truth. The truth that God has laid out a path for us towards church unity and growth, a path of humility, gentleness, and patience. The truth that we have been striving for, that we should be striving for each of those things, practicing each of those three things that God desires us to treat each other this way. The truth that we often fail to follow even those three instructions. The truth that God loves us and has forgiven us for our failings and that he gives us strength to forgive not only those who have sinned against us, but to forgive ourselves as well. I forgot to turn those off. And that he is forming us, working on us, that we might follow those three instructions better. The truth that despite our failings, we are united together in Christ as his church. The truth that he has called us, each of us, and that he is equipping each of us for the ministry of the church, for the building up of the body of Christ. The truth that we do not go into this mission alone, we are accompanied not only by our fellow saints, but most importantly, it is Jesus Christ who walks with us, giving us strength and encouragement for the journey. The truth that none of us that none of us struggles with these things alone, but that we are united in our failings. For each of us fail, but that we are united even more so in Christ who has forgiven us, who calls us, who has shaped us, united together into this body, his people, his church, that he is using in his mission to bring about his kingdom. What a wonderful truth for each of us this morning.